from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I was off for the last two weeks, but I've been working diligently behind the scenes to bring you a new series of close to home episodes. Don't worry, we will keep talking about the slate of issues we've been looking at so far, but as the summer season ramps up and folks from all over the world come to enjoy the clean, crisp, natural beauty of the Catskills, it has gotten me thinking a lot about infrastructure. No, not our broadband access this time, but our transportation infrastructure, all of our physical stuff that lets us get from place to place. Our roads, bridges, cars, fuel sources, and so on. Because according to the Economic Development Corporation of Sullivan County, even though our year-round population is only about 75,000 people, The massive influx of seasonal residents and tourists brings our summer total up to more than 350,000 individuals annually. That is more people than Rochester and Syracuse combined. And they all not only need fast and efficient methods of getting here, but they also need effective ways to get around once they're here. And of course, for those of us who brave the winters here too, So do we. That said, in this first episode on local transportation infrastructure, we're actually skipping over our highways and bridges, and we're taking a look at an ongoing project that, when completed, will enable us to bike and walk between many of Sullivan County's towns and villages. And that project is our rail trails. I'll let our guest today give you the background on exactly what rail trails are, and why it's timely to be discussing them now. But first, I want to tell you why I find this topic so exciting. When we're talking about investing in bike paths, there are actually a ton of economic studies and concrete data out there that we can pull from so that we can have an informed conversation and really effectively weigh the costs and benefits of these types of projects. And what exactly do I mean by that? Well, if you're considering paving a mile stretch of trail so that families can easily bike on it, that's going to be pricey. Say a construction company quotes you $45,000 per mile to put down asphalt. To decide whether it's worth the upfront cost or not, you need to determine if the benefits that will accrue to the community from having that paved trail are greater than $45,000 plus all the money it's going to take to maintain that trail over time. This is where we have a treasure trove of data for something like a rail trail. And I'll get into some rather jaw-dropping specifics on that later in the episode. But first, I want to introduce you to today's guest. I'm Freda Eisenberg, and uh, I'm the Commissioner of Planning and Community Development for Sullivan County. And I run um, the planning division here. We um, focus on uh, a number of, of 
different work areas. Uh, one is uh, open space and recreation, um, developing the county's uh, um, tourism and recreation infrastructure. Um, and uh, another is uh, community revitalization. I feel like it makes sense that any given county would have a planning department. But honestly, I had no idea what that actually meant. So in case you're in the same boat as me here, come with me on this quick detour before we get back to rail trails. I want to get into to more of exactly yeah. how the division of, of planning and community development works and what exactly it's working on. So, for example, I mean, what does our tourism infrastructure consist of? It's basically facilities that um, will attract people in terms of recreation and destinations. So, uh, you know, we have the rail trail project, which we can talk about, but we also um, are implementing um, what's called a local waterfront revitalization plan for the um, upper Delaware corridor. And, you know, one of, that was a plan that was done uh, nearly, nearly a decade ago, but one of its, um, primary recommendations was to increase, uh, you know, expand and enhance, um, access to the upper Delaware. And, um, so, you know, out of that plan, there was another plan that did concept drawings for, you know, how to improve um, one river access in each of the six communities up and down the Delaware and Sullivan. Um, wow. And after that was done, you know, each each stage involves going after another grant and, and doing the work. So, you know, after that, um, there was design and engineering done for one of the accesses. And uh, finally, we've just gotten um, some capital funding uh, to to build um, a, an improved river access in the town of Highland that will, um, you know, upgrade the parking at uh, bicycle parking, kayak storage, handicapped access, um, you know, interpretive signage, restore the, um, the riverbank, um, remove some invasive veg vegetation, um, and things like that. And so all these river access projects are just to make you know, as it sounds in the name, the river more accessible to doing fun things on the river, whether you're living here full time, you're a part time homeowner, or you're just coming up to visit? Yes, exactly. So um, the Upper Delaware is a National Park Service scenic and recreational river. Mm. But uh, it's, it's, it, it has a uh, you know, um, a unique status, uh, and the Park Service doesn't really own um, a lot of acreage in the corridor, even though it's designated as a unit of the National Park Service. Um, and in fact, their uh, ability to own um, public land in, in the corridor is, is quite limited. So uh, because of that, um, it's up to other entities to develop public access so that people who don't have, you know, the, the wonderful riverfront homes um, can still get to the river and, and enjoy it. So just to get into how a, a little bit of how exactly it works with your office creating these developments, does, does your office have a budget that gets poured into creating all of this stuff? Or is, is it that your office is coming up with the ideas and creating the plans and then going to the full county coffers and saying, you know, we would like to spend X amount of money to develop this, this, and this? Most of our work is grant-funded and grant-driven. Um, so we do a lot of chasing around for funding 
And, um, you know, I, I think the example that I gave with the Highlander Veraxis is, is a good one. Um, you know, New York State has a program called the Local Waterfront Revitalization Program. And uh, that provides funding for doing, you know, uh, riverfront revitalization plans and implementation. So we first got funding from that source to do a plan. Uh, and what we do is we work with um, the local communities because, you know, the county is the county, but New York is a home rule state and, you know, it, uh, everything happens on a local level. So, you know, we uh, work with our constituent municipalities and help them, you know, participate in the planning or, or you know, develop their own plans. So after that plan was done, we went out and got another grant for the, the second plan to take it to the next stage. And then when it came time to um, start working on the, the capital um, side of it, you know, we went and got a third grant to fund the design and engineering. And, and then finally, we have the, the grant for construction. Um, most grants, though, and pretty much, you know, you know it's, it's, it's rare for uh, a grant, whether it's a state or federal grant, to fund 100% of the project. So when we develop an idea, we go to the county legislature and, you know, even before we apply for the grant, we, you know, lay out what the project is and what the potential cost share would be to the county and try and get that buy-in even before we start writing. Does your office work on kind of creating an economic model of what these projects would look like, whether it's rail trails or river access or anything else that you guys are working on to say, this is the amount of investment that say, you know, our county is going to have to put into this, but this is the amount of return we expect to get on this investment over some period of time. I'll be honest with you, we're not that sophisticated. We're you know, a small <laughs> division with, um, you know, not a whole lot of resources to do that level of analysis. And, um, you know, our, our direction uh, often is to actually get stuff done um, rather than, you know, spend the time and resources on, on doing analysis. In the planning world, there's a phrase called analysis paralysis, you know, where right. you're just, yes, I've you heard know, of that. <laughs> crunching numbers and, and not getting anything done. And, um, uh, you know, I think something like the rail trail, for example, there have been literally dozens of studies around the country on the economic and, and cost benefits to, um, to rail trails. Mm. So, you know, what we have been able to do is pull some of that information out and assemble it and say, okay, you know, we're in the Northeast and nearby, not in um, Hurleyville, but in Hurley, which is, you know, further uh, to the east of us, um, they have a rail trail and they did a study. Uh, and, you know, these are the economic benefits that they got. So we look at comparables um, rather than having data specific to our trails. Um, we sample it from other studies. Okay, let's talk about some of those numbers from other rail trail studies. The value of rail trails comes from several different sources. First, we have the folks who use them. People who use rail trails also tend to spend money at local businesses along the route while they're at it. Rail trail data from across the country shows that local rail trail users spend between $3 and $13 a day along the trail, while people traveling from a different locality to use the trail 
spend closer to $15 to $35 a day along the trail route. So, the Hurley O&W Rail Trail in Ulster County that Freda mentioned gets an estimated 81,000 users every year, according to a 2012 study. And the economic return to the community as a result of all that traffic is estimated to be around $2 million. In Minnesota, for example, bicyclists spend $481 million along bike trails throughout the state each year, which has resulted in almost 6,000 extra jobs in those communities. That is a serious impact on local economies. Rail trails also improve the value of real estate. Several different studies have concluded that housing prices tend to increase by between $7 and $9 for every foot closer that they are to a rail trail. That means that between two houses that are identical in every way, same size, same neighborhood, same fixtures, same condition, the house that is just half a mile closer to a rail trail will be worth upwards of almost $24,000 more than the other one. And of course, there are actual health benefits of using a rail trail for moving around as well. Improved access to bike paths in the U.S. are correlated with a significant drop in rates of diabetes, heart disease, and several types of cancer. The per capita cost of medical bills as a result of inactivity is about two and a half times higher than the average per capita cost of building a bike trail, which of course is just the total cost of the trail divided by the number of people using it. And all of those sources of value for a rail trail don't even take into account the personal value that people get from using the trail. Think about that in terms of your own price point for using a rail trail. Say there's a 10-mile scenic biking trail in your community. How much would you theoretically be willing to pay to bike or jog or walk on it? A dollar for each use? Five dollars? Whatever that amount is that you'd be willing to pay, that's the net benefit you're getting from using it for free. So if 81,000 people are using the Hurley Rail Trail each year, and each of them would be willing to pay an average of just three dollars to use it, that is a net benefit of almost a quarter million dollars to society just by that rail trail existing and being free of charge for the year. Not bad. Anyway, back to Freda. There have been sections of developed rail trails around Sullivan County for years, but there's been talk of new development on them lately. So I wanted to know what all the buzz is about. A few years ago, the legislature uh, designated a trail committee with uh, Alan Sorensen as, as the chair of that committee. And um, we were charged with staffing and guiding the work of that committee. Um, and that was about it. So, you know, there were a number of people appointed from different um, segments of the trail user, you know, communities, uh, bicyclists, equestrianists, uh, runners, um, you know, uh, a whole constituency around the table. And uh, everyone, you know, asked, okay, so as a committee, what are we supposed to do? Um, so we did a little workshop uh, to identify um, needs and, you know, potential projects. And out of that workshop, you know, looking at a map of the county and what trails we had and, you know, where, where there would be needs, um, it was... Um, 
you know, became apparent, you know, we looked at the map and the rail trail, there were, uh, we have five segments now in different pieces, uh, all total from the Orange County border up to Livingston Manor. The rail corridor is about 50 miles. And the the built segments that we have here are about 25 miles, which is kind of amazing. Oh, wow. Um, you know, 25 miles is a decent trail. Absolutely. But then when we looked at those 25 miles, we saw that they were um, disconnected in small pieces. So, you know, Parksville has, uh, you know, the Parksville Rail Trail, and it has wonderfully developed trailheads and parking. But the trail itself is a mile and a half. Right. Um, you know, the, I think the the best known and, and uh, you know, most used uh, currently piece of rail trail is the one in Hurleyville, which I think is about uh, eight, eight and a half miles. So in, in uh, you know, the planning community and people who have studied trails and actually uh, New York State just released its own uh, New York statewide greenways trail plan. Um, they did surveys and you know, some research. And the number one factor in people choosing uh, where to go to uh, enjoy a trail is the length of that trail. You know, and it's been demonstrated by lots of studies that the longer the trail is, the more drawing power it will have um, and serve, uh, you know, a wider segment of people and consequently have um, stronger economic development impacts. So um, we thought, you know, uh, we have these different pieces of trail. Uh, let's see, you know, what it would take to connect them and uh, actually, you know, create a contiguous uh, rail trail that would run for the, the 50 miles. It would be a significant regionally scaled rail trail that would be capable of, you know, really delivering on um, a variety of, of economic and, and uh, social benefits that rail trails can deliver. And so if those were all connected, I could theoretically hop on my bike in Livingston Manor and then show up in Orange County without leaving the rail trail. Yes. Wow. Yes. And in addition to that main, uh, main stem, uh, apparently once upon a time, there was also a spur line that ran from Monticello down to Port Jervis, where the train is. Um, and, you know, we include that in our feasibility study as well. Um, there are no sections of trails developed along that line. Um, but, you know, because there's historic knowledge of it, we did include it in our trail study and um, are looking at ways to develop that as well. So how do you do a, a trail study for folks like me who aren't at all familiar with sure. how the, the planning and development process works? I mean, do you, okay. do you send people from your office out to the currently non-existent trailhead and, and just, you know, estimate how much it would cost to, to put something there? 
Well, you know, consistent with what I mentioned earlier, as uh, you know, most of our work being uh, you know grant funded and grant driven, the first thing we do is go out and search for funding, which we receive from the New York State Office of Parks, Recreation, and Historic Preservation. And we got a grant that supported the development of um, a feasibility study for the O&W Rail Trail. Um, we also, at the same time, actually got money from a, a different uh, New York State funding source called Market New York, which is um, designated for tourism promotion. And uh, they gave us some funding to develop a brand for the rail trail because currently the different pieces of trail, you know, you mentioned the Liberty Trail, I mentioned the Parksville Trail, you know, people know the local trails, but not many people are making the connection that they are part of a, a larger, um, you know, uh, regionally scaled trail system. So we mm. created uh, a brand, um, you know, worked with the committee to come up with, well, what do we call this regional trail? You know, it's not rocket science. We turned it the Sullivan O&W Rail. And now we have uh, a map and a website um, that shows, you know, where the, where the trails uh, are, how they're, how they're connected, how, um, you know, if you're adventurous, you might uh, use some of the on-road uh, alignments, we call them, you know, to go off the off-road trail. And, you know, so you, you, if, um, if you're an expert rider and comfortable with, with riding on public roads, can actually go from trail to trail. Um, and our website posts the feasibility study. It has to um, the different communities along the trail because, um, you know, this, this trail, one of the beauties of it is it, it does run through um, a number of villages and hamlets, you know, each one having its own unique character with interesting things to do and shops and restaurants and, you know, um, cultural facilities. And so the website has links to what you can do in each trail community. And that was supported by uh, the state market New York funds. But getting back to the original piece, so we got funding to do this um, feasibility study, and we worked with the county procurement office and put out an RFP to um, hire expert consultants. And we wound up um, working with a firm called Alta, um, and Alta is a firm that specializes exclusively in the creation of um, bicycle and pedestrian projects, rail trails, um, complete streets, uh, work, that kind of thing. They do it all across the country. And they were the New York State consultant on um, the design of the Empire State Trail, which is you know, the state's large interconnected trail system. Uh, we brought them on board and they, you know, that one of the first things they did, and, and this is really interesting, and I, I think we might have some footage of this on the, the website, um, but I'm not sure, is they took a bike ride along, you know, the, the whole rail corridor, uh, whether it was developed or not. And uh, they had a GoPro on, on the front of their, their bikes. And so we have, you know, rapid footage of the uh, entire corridor which is mm. kind of cool to see. Um, but they looked at every inch of what we have and they did some assessments and they wrote a report that said, you know, from this point in the map to this point in the map, it's developed or it's not developed. Um, there's some wetlands here or it's, it would be easy to just develop the trail, whatever it was, you know, for each 
small segment. They looked at it and made recommendations. And uh, after that, they attached some order of magnitude cost estimates to it. So they also looked at um, ownership of the, the trail right-of-way because um, the ONW was actually one of the first rail lines uh, to cease operations. And so the land was, uh, you know, chopped up and, and sold. So they also, um, you know, identified who the owners were. We um, had meetings with the owners to engage them uh, in the project, um, you know, identify who was, uh, you know, willing to work with us and who might not be and where we have, might have to do a workaround. Um, all of that is in the feasibility study doctrine. So was there generally a sense of, of willingness and, and, a, and buy-in? Yes. You? Yes. People are really supportive. So where exactly is the project at right now? Has, has the grant funding and county funding been secured? And, and is there currently okay. improvements being done? So we finished the feasibility study in 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Um, and subsequently, we're in the process of forming something we're calling the Sullivan County Rail Trail Alliance, which will be this group to oversee implementation of the feasibility study and uh, solicit funding. Uh, we've zeroed in uh, right now. Our, our priority segment is um, working on getting a bridge over the Neversink River between Woodridge and uh, Fallsburg, South Fallsburg, um, because on each side of the river, there's existing trail. So right now you can start in Mountaindale and you know, ride or, or walk to Woodridge, but then you get to the river. Over the river, there's a mile uh, of rail bed that hasn't been developed, but then you get into South Fallsburg and where you can connect to the Hurleyville Trail. And the Hurleyville Trail has been developed, uh, you know, nearly to Ferndale. So if we develop the bridge over the Neversink River and just that one mile of trail, we can unite these two pieces of existing trail and have a segment um, that's about 13 miles long. So that's starting to be a destination length trail, a trail that would justify somebody loading the bikes on the rack and driving a certain distance to get to. You know, that project, it's uh, a bit of a heavy lift to, to build a bridge and to, uh, uh, there's some grading complications that are increasing the cost of that segment. But we have uh, an amazing partner in the town of Fallsburg. The town has acquired um, all of the property uh, necessary to, to wow. make this connection. Um, they've also secured uh, an initial uh, grant from Sullivan Renaissance um, to support some of the work, and uh, we were able to also get some state funding through State Senator Metzger when, when she was in office. That's been directed to the segment of the trail, and we currently have uh, a number of other grants in play to, to get this done. We've had a private donor who's willing to contribute with the challenge that it get done within a couple of years. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, the town is uh, saying, you know, they're up to the challenge and they've been an incredible partner and very committed to getting this done. 
something that is happening this summer is um, the town will be building out that uh, level section of trail along the rail bed from uh, the center of South Fallsburg down to the river. We're not going to be able to cross it yet, but you will have that additional segment of trail developed. Is there a proposed or set even time frame on when that bridge might be built and open up to the public? Um, right now, I, I can't give you anything with confidence. We're working on it. It's an expensive project, and we are trying to assemble multiple sources of funding to get it done. But we're optimistic. You know, give it two years. Wow. That's actually I think I, not, yeah. not bad at all. No, no, not, not at all. So, so then looking further north, what's the next segment looking like now? Right. So, you know, to get from Ferndale over to that piece of Liberty Trail, um, it's a challenge because of Route 17. You know, um, Route 17, you know, has created a, a big gap, you know, in the trail. You know, there has been a trestle going over to do that. These days, um, our consultants have just thought that it was cost prohibitive. And so what they've proposed for um, that connection is to create an on-road alignment. And we're currently writing uh, a grant right now for federal that would design our on-road sections. Um, because even though, you know, experienced bicyclists may go out and ride in the roads right now, you know, there are things that can be done to make things safer and to designate the route. So it might end up looking more like a designated bike lane like a, a lot of cities now have. Exactly. For short piece, for short piece, you know, until we can connect with the existing trail segment. And then um, the feasibility study talks about ways of getting from Liberty up to Parksville and then from Parksville to Livingston Manor. Um, the Liberty to Parksville section is, you know, a bit of a challenge because it involves, um, you know, multiple property owners uh, and some, you know, difficult sections. Over time, uh, not only have regulations changed, but also the land has changed. So some of the sections along, you know, what had been a functioning rail bed are now wet um, or sections that, you know, when the rail was initially built, People weren't worried about wetlands or wetlands regulations. You know, now we have to deal with things like that. So, um, you know, it's not impossible, but we just have to factor those things in. Um, what we are looking at is the section from Parksville to Livingston Manor because that section that only has um, three owners and one of them is the state DOT, and which we think, uh, you know, will be agreeable to letting us use their section. Uh, the town of Rockland has acquired the property from one of those three owners. And now the Open Space Institute, which is another um, very supportive partner, is looking into the acquisition of the third piece that would allow us to make that transition from uh, Parksville up to Livingston Manor. And how many miles are we looking at of new trail that has to be built to get from Parksville to Manor? And are there any bridges or major physical yeah. pieces of, of trail infrastructure that would have to be put in place besides, you know, simply paving or, or putting gravel down or something? Sure. 
You know, the story of the trail is that the pieces that we do have that have been developed in, in the different communities uh, were the, the low-hanging fruit and the easiest pieces. And what we're left with in terms of making connections often involve water and bridge crossings. So you're right to bring that up. Um, going from Parksville North to, say, Sonoma Falls, um, that segment is you know, the rail bed is in great condition. Uh, you know, I walked it recently. It's gorgeous. It's, you know, right along the little beaver kill has great views and, you know, it's in public ownership. So we are, um, you know, speaking with DOT now to try and get, uh, you know, see what it would take to get permission um, to convert that to rail trail. But uh, at some point you reach a crossing over the little beaver kill uh, and like the crossing over the never Sink. Bridges are expensive. After that, going from the Little Beaver Kill up to Livingston Manor, we have a couple of options that we're looking at. Um, one short-term inexpensive option is to uh, do an on-road alignment. You know that would be fairly easy and straight. The other pieces, uh, again, involve you know some wetlands switchbacks. Um, and, you know, it gets a little more expensive, but again, you know, we're, we're chasing funding for that as well. So 10 years from now, do you expect that someone would be able to hop on their bike in manner and eventually show up in Orange County, just staying on these lovely rail trails? <sighs> Gee, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to put a number on it, but we hope so. We certainly hope so. Well, it's really exciting, and I'm so glad that there is momentum on it now because, uh, obviously, like you said, it is such an asset to the community, both for people that have lived in the area their whole lives and for generations, and for people that are coming up and, and visiting the Catskills for the first time. So thank you for all the work that you're doing on this. Well, it's, it's, it's fun, um, and it, you know, it's inspiring. Freda also wanted to reassert that this rail trails project is a major collaboration between lots of different entities, all of which are playing a crucial role in bringing the trails to fruition, including the Open Space Institute, Sullivan Renaissance, Sullivan 180, the Sullivan County Legislature, lots of town governments all over the county, and the Sullivan County Visitors Association. You can check out a digital map of Sullivan County hiking and rail trails at trailkeeper.org slash map, and you can learn more about the Sullivan ONW Rail Trail at owtrailsullivancounty.weebly.com, and I will post both of those links in the description of this episode. Obviously, there is still a lot of work to be done before we can bike across Sullivan County on a rail trail, but it is reassuring to hear from Freda that we are getting a little bit closer to that dream coming true with each passing day right now. And we will circle back to this topic as there are more updates on it in the future. Until then, and I mean this with utmost kindness and congeniality, go take a hike. Thank you again to Freda Eisenberg for taking the time to chat this week. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Leif Johansson, and you're listening to Close to Home, 
a production of WJFF Radio Catskill. See you next week.